So welcome again to the Professional Practice Podcast with me, Austin Williams, Senior Lecturer at Kingston School of Art. Today we're joined by Lisa Rains, past chairperson of the RIBA's Northwest Soul Practitioners Group and now CEO of Pride Road, which is an architectural practice franchise network. She also runs Pride Road Podcast, available on prideroad.podbean.com, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, podbean.com. Today, we're going to talk about some architectural business models, and just so that this is not just a complete advert for Pride Road, uh, we'll look at the way that Lisa organizes and coordinates her own particular way of working, but also some other opportunities that newly qualified architects might want to find out there. So thanks very much, Lisa, for uh, for, uh, joining us and doing this uh, for us. So as we always start these things, if you just give us a short biog, maybe where you're from, where you studied, how you got to where you are. Thanks for having me, Austin. I'm Lisa, Lisa Rains, um, as you said, CEO of Pride Road Architects. I'm an architect with about 23, 24 years experience. I did my part ones at Leeds met now I think it's Leeds Beckett I did my year out in 93 there were no jobs so I did a bit of work for one of my tutors and six months experience at Holford's which is now ADAS I think um, then I did my part twos at uh, UCL at the Bartlett and ended up getting offered a job back in Manchester for Simon Reed. did my part threes at Chester when I was working with Ian Simpson. And then after that, did six months stint over in New York, came back, worked for in Liverpool for Urban Splash. Ended up setting up on my own in 2010 as Reigns Architecture out of necessity. There were no jobs going. I'd been made redundant twice during maternity leave. I've now got three kids. Um, well, I realised that there was a problem in the industry with women leaving architecture, um, sort of around the age of thirty. So, um, but yeah, I'm trying, I'm um, trying to interrupt you, but you couldn't hear me, so it was very odd. <laughs> uh, but so the the chair, you were the chair. I don't know if you are the chair. You were the chair of the RBA Northwest Solo Practitioners Group. Um, yes, I was. Which I, which I also meant. I thought it was solo practitioners, but it's solo practitioners. So what is it about solo practitioners that you that unites you? Is it the pain and suffering that you go through? Is it, <laughs> you have burning issues that you all have very similar natures? Or, or, or well, what is it? I, th- I think when you're in a practice, you've got a structure to talk to people and bounce ideas off each other. But when you go out on your own, being it can be a very lonely place. So it was a network of other architects that we could just share uh, share problems, solutions. You know, has anyone got who has anyone got a good building inspector? We could we could do CPD together. Uh, it was more than just a therapy network. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was really constructive, and 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 we did some marketing. You know, group together to do some marketing activities as well. Um, yeah, no, because it's interesting. I've just had a, a, a glazier come around to my house to fit a window, and you know, and. The, I don't know whether it's part of the recession or whatever it is, but you know he knows a plumber who knows. You know all these trades mm. seem to kind of work together and help each other out and pass each other's names on. Is that the kind of mm. thing that you were that the soil practitioners group does? No, not necessarily. No, we weren't. I mean, so some people are quite closed about their contacts, yeah, <laughs> especially architects. A competitive uh, world. So yeah. yeah, it is. Some some more open than others. 
So the, the, the ARB, I just read this thing the other day that, uh, yeah. sorry, not the ARB, the Architects Council of Europe uh, did yes. a report that's saying the out of 7,500 architectural practices in the UK, 4,500 are sole practitioners and 1,000 yeah. have got just two members of staff. So I just mm -hmm. wondered whether there's, does that make you a type? Is there a type of person who starts a business like this? What type of character, what kind of skill sets do you have, do you think? people need to, to succeed in that kind of small world? Sorry, not a large um, world. I think a lot of it's confidence. You know, um, running your own, well, running your own practice, you, it's a business. You know, you have to become a business person. Um, I, I, one of the first business books that I read was Michael Gerber's E-Myth Revisited. And that's a great book if you're thinking of starting a, a practice. And and what it says is that actually at university, we're taught, taught about technical skills. It's like how to do architecture, how to be an architect, what rules and regulations you need to follow. But it doesn't tell you how to run a business, how to be a business person, how to you know, generate new work, how to manage your resources. And so, you know, it, it's that trifecta, being good at what you do, managing what you've got and going out to get more business. Yeah, because on one of your on your website, you have, you've got these videos, really useful videos. And there's one with a woman called Magda. Mm -hmm. uh, and she says this great line. She says, I'm an architect, but not a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can understand she's joined in your, your franchise, but we'll, we'll come on to that later on. But I'm just in terms of what you just said there about how universities do not treat or teach architecture as a business mm. but more kind of you know 50 percent design studio etc cetera, etc cetera. what mm. why do you think that is i mean you know, it is a prof it is a profession it is a business but it's almost like we don't want to think of it as a business or a profession we like to think of it as some kind of artistic flurry um so yeah i mean when i was at university you know it's kind of like you almost had to have kind of big balls to be able to go out and set up in your own practice and I, and I thought you know I was told oh you know it was, it was never something that I was going to do because it looked all too big and scary and and uh frightening and and I think we we fed the stories of you know architects getting their first commissions from their parents or their father-in-law or you know so if you don't have that wealthy background you know where are you going to get your first commission from Whereas with the franchise, you know, we 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 don't look within our immediate networks for for work. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about franchise because I just wanted to get a, a handle on kind of business per se. Yeah, like, like it's almost like you know you set up uh, your first practice, and from that you then kind of moved on to the onto the franchise. So it's yeah, more like I mean, a... I I would I would say I set up my first practice out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good. I mean, first of all, it's good to remember all those recessions uh, that have gone before. You've been laid off twice. I've been laid off uh, three times. Uh, mm. So it's it's always good for the new generation to remember that they haven't invented redundancy. We've we've all gone yeah. through it. Um, and and architecture is always the first industry to go when whenever there's a recession. I thought landscape architecture was the first, and then architecture, <laughs> and then architects. But yeah. you know. As as soon as there's a recession, the first thing that companies do is stop any capital expenditure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, the, so that you're saying about business, right? So there's a um, there's cost effectiveness, there's profitability, there's cash flow, keeping up with regulations. As a small practitioner, apart from saying all of the above, 
do you think that any one of those is more important? I mean, as far as your experience goes, that you need to kind of keep up to speed with? But cash is king. You know, you've always got, and you've also always got to be profitable. It's understanding your profit and loss um, and, and what's coming up. You, you can't just bury your head in the sand and just ignore it and hope for the best and go, oh, you know, someone's given me a commission. It's going to be £50,000 over a year. You know, that's great. You know, actually, what do you need to think about? Well, what level of PI are you going to get? Yeah. are you going to need how much is that going to cost do you need to resource it how much do you need to live yeah. but, um, but, in terms, but, but sorry just yeah. to, sorry to interrupt but you know there's obviously types of people who can can be businessmen right i'm useless right i don't understand money so i'd be terrible as a business person i'm an employee rather than employer so there's a type but also yeah. uh how did you i mean apart from being a type i mean how did you get your business now i mean I think I'm um, persistent and, yeah, definitely. I have an idea and I stick to it and I look into it and, you know, and I make, I, I do make lots of mistakes as well and I don't get disheartened. Business Nails, my um, granddad was a builder. He built a lot of houses post-war and he actually retired uh, when he was 54. He was effectively a QS, but, you know, equivalent to a QS. Um, my dad was a builder's merchant um, and he sold out twice. So I guess I was kind of surrounded by some building terminology and kind of stories about sales and marketing. <laughs> I remember my dad showing me um, his office. He had like banks of yellow pages um per like geographical region i mean yeah, that yeah. was the internet the yeah, yellow pages yeah, yeah. and and he named his company advanced cladding and insulation group a, a, a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big surprise. Yeah, exactly. look at the top you know yeah. that that that's google that's the yeah. google of the day yeah. yellow pages i, I always one. thought aardvark architecture was going to be the number one so are you like a 24-hour 24-7 type person then are you constantly thinking about your business and the, the uh, stuff you see on Dragon's Den, about, yeah. Yeah, I might be thinking about it, but I certainly don't work on sort of. On, I'm not uh, attached to my computer twenty four seven. Well, actually, maybe my phone, but I think that's yeah. the modern age, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, I kind of work eight or nine six, right? Um, Monday to Friday, and then I. But again, is, but again, is that like a strategic? plan do you know what I mean like some people say if I don't put my phone down I'll be on it all day and all night so do you say to yourself I'm going to stick to these rigid rules I I yeah I mean I I'm rubbish after seven o'clock in the evening I can't talk to anyone or <laughs> you know so I, I'm not one of these people that can go out and start seeing clients in the evening after a full day of drafting right you know, right, I'm right. Kind of, that's me done. Okay. Uh, I mean, personally, I kind of work quite well in the morning when there's no distractions and I've got quite a clear head. You know, if I'm trying to do a marketing activity or write something or you get through a task, a little task list, I kind of try and do that first thing. Right. So lists is a thing for you, is it? Lists, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm incredibly 
organized i have lists coming out of my ears very good very good <laughs> lists of lists uh so look, moving on then just in terms of um rain's architecture was you say your own words by necessity because of the recession but now mm. it's pride road so tell me that journey he said with air quotes uh why why <laughs> pride road why the name pride road and really um, about what's it about yeah, well, it came out of, so it was a, a kind of like a, an aha moment in the shower uh, when in back in 2012, when I kind of realised that I formulated a really nice little business that suited me and worked around my children and I could take holidays and I could go to after, you know, I could go to sports days and birthdays and all the rest of it. And I knew that there was a problem in the industry because at that point I was I'd, I'd been chair of Women in Property Northwest, um, and so I knew that women, you know, just women were falling out of construction and architecture, um, and I'd found a solution. So it, for me, then it was a journey of how to then uh, spread the word. So I kind of like. I talked to someone in franchising, got an understanding, and I thought, oh, you know, it seems like a good fit. And then I spent spent the time kind of working through operations manuals, systems, uh, compressing everything down into like almost a, a business in a box. Um, do, you want to, do you want to just quickly say to the listeners what a franchise is, especially in your your example? Sure. Well, a, a franchise is a, is a form of business like McDonald's where, you know, the the head office will tell you, you know, how where to get your burgers from, um how you, the how many people you're going to employ, what they're going to wear, um how you're going to cook the burgers, where you know, if your site your premises in x location you've got y amount of traffic and you'll get z amount of money so it's a formula okay. uh, except in place of burgers you know we've got architectural concept designs um we're not a cookie cutter practice we don't have a design guide with you know this will work here this will work here because you know every house is different every client's different every brief is different there's a lot of knowledge we can share, but, you know, everything's different. But the way we go about things, but the way we communicate with our clients, uh, the branding that we use, the letters that we use, you know, the predictive texts, how clients book an appointment, it's it's common. So uh, it just it takes the headache away of running a business. Right. So you so but you're you, so you're the original business, you're the franchisor. You sell the right to the franchisee to to use your name and your idea, your business yes. model, yes. Uh, and then the franchisor's goods or services or whatever it might be are uh, under an original business model and your branding, your trademark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. copyright. Is it copyright you use? Uh, yeah, our our branding is trademarked. Yeah, right. Okay, trademark. Okay, fine, fine. So that's that's the gist. So you are there as the as the. Um, I don't know, Colonel Sanders in the KFC uh, analogy. And then you have people who are tapping into your knowledge bank, but also, but but they're bringing clients themselves. Is that how it works? 
We have a central website that does quite a lot of lead generation, but it is up to the franchisee to kind of follow our formulas into how to market. And that's a mixture of online and offline. So, you know, social media and writing posts and putting content on the website, but then also going to networking groups and, you know, hosting Ask an Architect sessions and, you know, dropping the odd flower off here and there. Okay, so look, so use your imagination. I'm on camera, so it'll be it'll be difficult. But I imagine I'm a young, newly qualified architect, uh, just done my part three or whatever, and I want to start up a business on my own. But I don't mm-hmm. have the resources. I don't really have the nous. Uh, yep. So therefore, I want to tap into your established expertise. What what happens next? We'd start. We'd ha- start having a series of conversations. As you said, you'd have to be UK um, qualified architect. So on the ARB register. You'd have to be living in the UK. So first of all, we'd look at at your territory. So I've split the country into 155 territories. So not every part of the country is suitable. So if it's rural or, you know, sort of like less people or geographically challenged, um, then there may be an issue. So we'd look at your territory. Um, There's about 10 uh, postcode districts per territory which gives you 70,000 owner occupier homes within a 30 minute travel radius so we'd look at that sort of look at the hot spots in your area so we'd start to look at a business plan so and this would be a series of conversations and we do a fair amount before you'd actually signed up to anything mm-hmm. so actually it's a really good way of um, learning about business just talking to me and pretending you're going to buy a franchise but forget i actually said that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, if there's anyone savvy savvy enough to take me up on their offer you know i'm i'm very open to having a chat about it so i'd, I'd take you through a series of conversations so we do a franchise form we would ask you to sign a non-disclosure agreement and then we'd look at a mini business plan and then if we're ready to go for it then we'd we'd look at um a full business plan so we'd ask we'd give you a little bit of guidance and then we'd ask you to present a business plan back to us so you understand how the business works and that it will be you running your business so you are responsible austin williams to run your own business (laughs) and it's making you understand that Um, do i I buy into your yeah at that point if we're both happy that it's going to stack up then you would buy into it so at the moment the rrp is between ten thousand and fifteen thousand pounds uh, to buy a license for five years and then there's a fee of 10% of your turnover on a monthly basis, plus £150 marketing levy as well on a monthly basis. Fine. And that's all written into your business plan so you can see whether it stacks up or not. And if it doesn't stack up and if you're not happy about it, we don't go any any further. Um, but if you are interested, we'd ask you to um, pay a non-refundable deposit of £950. And at that point, I would give you a franchise agreement to review. And that's like a contract. And you'd get a franchise solicitor to have a look at it. Yeah. It's a legal agreement. It's like buying a house, you know. You, and in, um, terms of, in terms of, of the services that you provide, you know, your your franchise provides, you're pretty much 
domestic projects and you're pretty much up to stage four, but not you don't go on site. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Is that yeah. is that to, is that because that's where most of the profits made and it's on <laughs> site or, or 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 what? Yeah, it's just from experience. Uh, you know, I've written specifications before that are completely ignored, so it's just a waste of time. You know, when when you're um, dealing with the domestic clients, where we're relatively low end, you know, we kind of we want to position ourselves where clients may not have thought about using an architect. They might have gone to a structural engineer or a draftsman or a builder. Mm-hmm. And so their budget is king. So if I'm specifying gold taps, the builder's going to come back and go, no, it's a waste of time. Yeah, because obviously the each individual franchise or mm-hmm. not franchise, um, franchisee. franchisee is doing their own design, meeting their own clients, doing their own thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do yes. you then have like a stock of, I don't know, building regulations, notes, notices to Dick on drawings or is it all is it all tailor-made or is it it's tailor-made but we'll share resources so right. there's sample sets and and we'll do audits on franchisees drawings you know especially because we ask them to create a relationship with a technical associate so someone who's um SEAT registered we basically subcontract out the computer drawings to to the technicians so we're just doing the hand-drawn concept designs and looking at the front end oh right okay mm-hmm. uh very interesting so uh in terms of like uh so the drawings themselves but then mm-hmm. there's all those extra little add-ons principal design and duties engineering calculations carbon spreadsheets all that kind of stuff are they all outsourced we do the principal designer stuff but we charge for it is so it's usually structural engineer, building inspector, party wall surveyor, planning consultant, ecological, you know, maybe drainage. That that's all outsourced landscape. Right. Uh, and yeah. that's what to uh, just keep things clean, avoid liabilities. It's where it's a better business it's model. Generally, to keep things clean. I think the trouble is if you start offering services to clients, extra services, unless you're incredibly defined about it, they won't value you to do it. So if you say, "Oh, I'm going to serve a party wall notice," it's eighty pounds or whatever. They're like, "Okay, that's fine." But then if it goes into a dispute, all of a sudden, and the charges start racking up, you know, they're going to start questioning another thousand pounds for a survey or a yeah. conditions it's just much easier for a third party to do it okay do you have a professional services contract or do you just have your own bespoke thing or what we have our own bespoke thing we looked at it from the professional services called the riba for a standard form of agreement but i would say it's evolved on uh, every time it hasn't we've written it um with a construction lawyer in clear english so actually, it reflects the Consumer Rights Act. It's clearer than the RIBA, and it's kind of clients around the Consumer Rights Act. Yeah. Um, you know, because we think it's better practice. Clearer um, than the RIBA. What a, that's a showstopper. <laughs> what is it? But let me ask you a final question on this uh, aspect. Do you find it rewarding? The reason I'm asking you that is from our original conversation about suggesting that actually when you're in architecture school, it's all about design. It's nothing to do with business. And here yeah. you are. I was, I'm going to say all about design, all about business. But you know what I mean? It's it's a large amount of business. You're running a business. And then and then you're handing over your design to some job block to build your kitchen extension or your brand new house. 
uh, mm. without looking back. Could you lose I, something in all that? I love it. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, what you can't quite get your hand around, and I couldn't get my head around, is the quantity that we deal with. So when I, you know, when I came out and I set up my own business, I was like, you know, my first thing was, I want to help as many people as possible. And I'm going to do it by going into social housing, or I want to do multiple occupancy or student accommodation. It's like, no, actually, we are helping more people this way, just doing it on an individual basis than I would in a larger practice. Um, I've done, you know, nearly a thousand concept design workshops. And I must have had, you know, 2,000, 3,000 conversations with clients where you're saying, is what you're doing viable? Because if it's not viable, don't do it. Yeah. Have you found that, uh, you know, the recession or even COVID, if we can remember that far back, the, the idea that people have got disposable income that they didn't maybe have before, forget the next coming couple of years of the recession. But, you know, up to this moment in time, and we're speaking in August 2022, have you found that more people are spending money and people are developing their properties in the kind of um, Yeah, I'd say during COVID, we had a boom. And sort of post-COVID, it's a little bit quieter. But generally, um, our business is sort of recession-proof and pandemic-proof, I would say. Oh. <laughs> You know, going into the next recession, not that we're talking ourselves into it at all, um, what you find is that people still need to extend because they can't afford to move. So the projects may not be as big, but there's still a necessity out there for people to do something with their homes and we can help. Yeah, you know, we're architects, we've got those design skills. We may not be winning the the sterling prize, but we can help people. And, and that's what it's all about. You mentioned insurance before. What kind of insurance do you have? And what about your franchisees? Currently, I've got 750,000, but my franchisees have between 250 and 500. Okay. Because uh, they're on tend to be on smaller projects. I've picked up a couple of slightly bigger projects, but still, it's all refurb. It's no new build. Right. But that's that's uh, PI insurance. Yeah. Do you carry employee employers insurance? Oh, you yeah, don't... yeah, yeah, yeah. Employers liability, public liability. Yeah. 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 But I've also got a franchise insurance as well. Okay. Because I'm offering consultant business consultancy skills. Yeah. So I'm insured against that as well. And dare I ask you how the insurance market has affected you? I mean, it's going up is what I mean. The PI mainly is the one that goes up. Yeah. The rest of it isn't too bad. Well, but... Okay. I won't, I won't push a point. Very good. If you can if you can handle it, then if you're happy, I'm happy. Do you see your – I don't know if this question makes sense, but I thought about it the other day. But whether you see your franchisees as clients – where you have to win them over to come to your business or whether they're like staff that you have to manage and monitor. Do you know what I mean? No, I would say it. they're more like um, comrades. So, you know, we are – so you asked me what pride was. I'm just yeah. pointing fine, but no one can see that. We're a pride of lions, and actually in a pride of lions, it's mainly the females. Very good, the lionesses. <laughs> the lionesses, say, yeah. Yes, and we work together, we hunt together, we support each other. (laughs) So it's all about, you know, kind of the lionesses and, you know, we've got, we roar. When I was looking for a name, you know, we were looking at sort of like female kind of names. It was like Greek goddesses and it was home and hearth. And I'm like, no, 
you know, we're out there. We're out there. We're hunting and we're... Yeah. The name was from the 1972 women's lib song, Helen Reddy, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. Indeed. I remember it well. Very good. Very good. Oh, I like that. And it's got a nice connotation with, you know, LGBT plus um, and also um, pride is a value that our clients want in their homes. Okay. So Pride Road, you know, it puts it in an urban context. Um, it is like a sign, a street sign, so it's very familiar. See, I, I knew that you'd take every opportunity to market yourself in the conversation. Um, <laughs> yes, in terms of CPD, yes. I mean, I know generally as architects, there's a requirement for CPD, but um, the ARB study recently was looking at um, where practitioners generally find barriers to doing uh, CPD. And 24% of architects said that they needed more relevant CPD. Mm-hmm. Now, we can discuss what that might mean. But do you prefer your franchisees or yourself even to have that kind of CPD hands-on rather than more abstract, you know, learning about regs and policies and all the rest of it? Are you much more kind of hands-on finding about damp-proof courses and lead work and you know brick technology or whatever are you is that, is that the kind of thing you it's a mixture prefer? it's a mixture um we pull in people when we need to but we don't cover everything because you've got your 10 core curriculum subjects and trying to make ev- everything fit into those curricula you know so the so it is on the architect the franchisee to make sure that they're on top of their own cpd um um, and then we, we've just gone through, you know, the updates to the the building regs, and you know we've had lots of different types of CPD, but, but we kind of a lot of discussion points and like you know which bits are going to be relevant, which aren't going to be relevant, and then you know sort of a lot of it is topical. So the next thing for me is kind of looking down um, sort of renewables. You know, again with the cost of living crisis that we're going through, you know, I think that's going to be absolutely key for our homeowners finally, because you know kind of unless it's legislated for or commercially viable our clients are not going to be looking into renewables or energy efficiency mm, okay well i was going to ask you a question about marketing but since every word that comes out of your mouth is uh, marketing i don't really need to, <laughs> to, to, to clarify that but so i'm going to come back on you and just remind people that professional practice podcasts are readily available to give some of those updated cbds so keep watching this space but in terms of throwing the question back at you I think in your website, you say, uh, as a rhetorical question, what are the tips for thriving in business? Uh, I just wondered if you had any. Well, I think something really important, like learning from from what I've been through, is niche down, kind of work out what your specialism is. You know, is it going to be hotels or later living or marinas or, you know, domestic extensions? You know, I think decide what you want to do and then become an expert in it. So, you know, if you've not, ex- you know, done your experience in, in marinas and you want to design, a mar- learn how to design marinas and then and then you will find the clients. Yeah, I mean, everybody's now kind of branching out, aren't they, becoming experts in everything, which uh, tends to mean experts in nothing. Absolutely. So- don't don't be a jack of all trade. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so finally, we've reached that point. Do you have anything that I've missed out on, especially that you think that students, newly qualified architects maybe, should keep their eyes on in terms of how they market themselves, how they look at business, what do you think the future holds? I mean, whatever, any, any kind of takeaway points? Um, I 
think if, we, if we're talking to students uh, who are looking at kind of going out there and getting jobs, I would say look at your social footprint and just make sure that matches up to the type of work that you want. You know, obviously, you know, kind of on, on the internet, you know, you put out personal stuff and that's fine. Just be aware that, you know, and, and I look at if people apply, I do look at people's personal, you know, social media, whatever's. So, um, you know, just just work out who you are, you know, who you are as a professional person and make sure that and, and do make some stuff public. Don't just keep everything all private you know just do do put it out so that people know that you're a fully rounded person when i'm talking to people i kind of want to know you know what makes them tick as well it doesn't have to be all about architecture you know if it's their joy is in uh you know writing or drawing or eco you know that's that's an asset to any practice yeah okay well lisa that's it i'm afraid time's up it's very odd. I'm, I'm now going to read out your um, website as if you need some more marketing. But it's uh, www.prideroadfranchise.co.uk. And of course, listen to the podcast, uh, which is prideroad.podbean.com. But that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. Please tune in. If you're not listening to Lisa, uh, listen to me, Professional Practice Podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google search it. You'll hopefully find us. My name's Austin Williams. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Till the next time, goodbye.